Yo, yo, what is up, guys? This is uh, this Michael. This is the Powerline Podcast. We got a we got a special guest today. Um, hope you guys are all doing good out there. Um, yesterday, uh, the last episode with Joe Hardcore, that was awesome. Good to hear from him. Talk talk about shows and stuff like that. But um, yeah, let's get to it. We got a, we got a really special guest today. We got uh, John Porcel Porcelli here. What what is up, man? Come on, brother. Not not much, man. Just uh, just hanging in here. Just got some coffee. Um, I was about to go to the post office um, and send some t-shirts out when you had hit me up, and I was like, "Oh shoot," you know. So I'll just I'll do. I was like, "Fuck it," I'll do that later. <laughs> Drop everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it wasn't much. To, to drop but uh but how, but how you doing man you uh we were just talking you uh just finished up some yoga classes this morning yeah man i'm a yoga teacher and you know the kind of music that's my thing yeah for sure i know you were talking so, that you're uh you're like uh writing music and stuff too i i i think i heard from i think the podcast that i think the better uh, than a thousand stuff was going on. I think you were talking about uh, doing a new judge judge record. No. Yeah, I I wrote one song for Judge so far, so we have one new Judge song, which is pretty freaking awesome. I think. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I've been working. I've been working on a new band. Actually, I got a new band that's that's coming out. I've been pretty much working like a maniac on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that's we awesome. Got, we already got. We already have nine songs, so we're hoping to have a full album written in like a month. Oh wow, damn, that's sick! And yeah, then, no, I'm excited about it. Um, hell yeah, we, are we gonna be able to uh, like hear hear any of that soon-ish, or are you guys gonna go into the studio probably soon for that? Record some stuff. Yeah, we want to totally finish it before we really announce everything. Definitely, uh, it's pretty awesome. I'm super psyched about it. That's awesome. That's cool. That yeah, you're working on a totally new project. Does it, did that get brought to you, or was that something you were you wanted to start? You know, something something fresh. You know, it was weird. It just totally. I, I had no plans to do a new band, and all all these different circumstances happened where I just kind of met the people that that are in the band, and everything just kind of weirdly mystically fell into place. So we're right. doing it. And it sounds awesome so far. That's awesome. Um, who who else is? Uh, I'm still going to do some more. I'm still going to do some more judge songs. Though. Right. I'm going to work on that. And I actually want to write a whole shelter record too. Oh wow! So that's on my that's on my agenda for this year also. Yeah. No, I know you guys. Uh, I'm here in LA. You guys just came uh, judge and uh, down to nothing uh, last year. Um, did you did you guys? play any shows earlier this year in 2020 or no i haven't played those are the last shows we played was uh was judge of california yeah yeah that was cool yeah yeah speaking of too that you you were also playing um i think it was what like a couple weeks earlier or a month before that was uh youth of today in la and that was a really crazy show um remember seeing a bunch of cool pictures and stuff from that do you remember that that show out here last year yeah, it was it was really fun. Yesterday came, and then Judge came the next month. We pretty much played all the same places. Right. Yeah. Same tour with Judge. With Judge a month later. Yeah, it was the same. Yeah, it was the same venue, the Zebulon with Judge too. Oh yeah, that's right. I love that club. Yeah, 
no, but yeah, definitely that youth of today. Uh, yeah, it just looked cool, like the lights off and stuff, and it just looked, uh, yeah, it was like a really special time. It was. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you too, originally when I was hitting you up about this, um, I just had like a couple questions about schism. I, I feel like I haven't heard you talk too much about that. When did like, uh, when did that all start? When did schism start? Say like, uh, with like the first issue, the first issue of the zine. Schism started when I met Al Brown. This was before he was even in, you know, he played in that band side by side. Right. On Revelation before, before he joined Gorilla Biscuits. And so even before, you know, basically really like, you know, he went to, uh, he went to, I believe, Parsons. He mm. was studying graphic design at Parsons. So he moved to, he moved to a city and he was big into hardcore. And uh, one day he was walking to a CBGB's matinee. And I had been to CBGB's and I was, and I was walking to uh, a little deli that was on the corner. So I was walking away from CBGB's, he was walking towards CBGB's, and he had on this really cool homemade dad nasty shirt. Oh, yeah. He had like bleached hair and bands and stuff, so obviously like he was a hardcore kid. Yeah. And so I said, as he was passing by, I said, hey, cool shirt. And uh, we just instantly became friends. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that happens. I've, I've met multiple people by the t-shirt story. <laughs> I mean, especially back then, but hardcore was so small. Right. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of art for you know, people or bands or you know really anything yeah. back then. I mean, you know, it was, it was before the internet too. If you can imagine. Of course, yeah. Back then, it would be like finding like an alien in, in in New York. You're like, who are you? Be my friend. <laughs> yeah. So he had been doing a fanzine. He was he was from Iowa. He was he had been doing a fanzine. It was actually kind of a bigger fanzine too, called Love Seat. Called Love and, Seat. Um, it's called Love Seat. Yeah, I don't know if I heard that. Yeah. It was priest. It was the fencing that he did priest schism, and he actually, you know, sold quite a quite a few just from being a kid from Iowa that was doing a fencing. Yeah. And uh, really, uh, you know, his his big contribution was he was like a full on graphic designer. You know, in a, in the day when people were literally copying and pasting their fanzines together. Yeah. So and he had a, when he copy had, and paste literally meant copy and paste and like cut. Literally and, meant you were cutting things <laughs> out with scissors and you were gluing things up. I yeah. mean, this was before Photoshop. So he had a big leg up in the art and design um, category. Definitely. And so, uh, and, and so that really kind of gave us, uh, you know, a more, I mean, you look at it now, you know, it's not crazy professional, but back then, I mean, when that, when the first, when that first issue of Schism came out, people were like, "Wow, this looks incredible!" Yeah. So I met him. He was doing Love Seed. Um, he wasn't crazy on the name, and he wanted to change the name of the fanzine. Yeah. <laughs> and he also wanted me to help him because he was kind of new to town, and she really wanted to sort of focus on New York hardcore, which is really what Schism was. It was, it was more a fanzine mostly just about New York hardcore. Right, yeah. And you know, the, scene, the, the scene was so rich at the time, there was so many incredible bands, and nobody was really documenting them. It was like, you know, the early days of Revelation. Mm. And, uh, you know, you had like Side by Side, Gorilla Biscuits, you know, Youth Day, Bowl, Warzone, Agnostic Front, Comics, you know, 
the scene was just exploding with incredible music. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, youth today had already been pretty established in New York. And so I knew everybody. He was new to town. So he asked me to help him, you know, do interviews and meet people and stuff like that. And so I said, yeah, sure. And so that was our thing. It was mostly my job to go out and interview the bands. Mm-hmm. And it was his job to lay out the, lay out the band name. Who was really excelled at? Who was uh, then, like, say, interviewed in what the first issue? Then, um, I have a book here that Bridge Nine put out. Let me check it out. Right, my buddy has. I still have to get myself a copy. Every copy I see is like it's like over fifty bucks or something. But I'm gonna snag one soon. Yeah, it's been sold out for a while. Yeah. Um. So the first issue was actually called Schism Number Six. Which should have been schism number one, but Al had done five issues of Love Seat. Right, so it would have been Love Seat six, yeah. So for some reason, he wanted to call it schism number six, just to kind of nod to his old fanzine. Mm -hmm. But it was sort of confusing when it came out, schism number six, and, you know, it was probably a mistake now looking back at it. But for some reason, the first issue was called schism number six. And it had Super Touch, Warzone, Bold, Side by Side, and Crackdown. It was all New York City bands. Right. That's cool. And then, so so you were conducting most of those interviews, or would Al sometimes interview people himself, too, or later on? Um, I think I did... I think I did every single interview, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Another thing that Al did, you know, besides laying out the painting, was he was also an incredible photographer. Okay. So he was taking all the pictures, too, and it was, you know... It was the pictures that he took that really kind of put us over the edge, too. Right, yeah. Because, you know, there was, at the time, there was so much mystique about New York hardcore, but it was weird. Like, no one was really documenting it. No one was taking pictures. No one was really putting that out in the world. Again, this is pre-internet. Right. So he was he was really the first person that, you know, was going to see the Jesus, taking all these pictures. You know, putting out a fan scene that was documenting documenting all these great bands, fucking coming bands like Sick of It All, Side by Side, Gorilla Biscuits, who at the time weren't big bands. Right. They were just kind of like up and coming bands. Yeah. And so a lot of people, even though they had heard like, you know, the Gorilla Biscuits EP that came on the Revelation and they, and they liked the band, no one really knew too much about them. So we were, we were like the first a publication that was showing pictures of like what Gorilla Biscuits looked like and Warzone and you know so we had orders that were coming from all over the world it was, it was crazy that's cool yeah so then how yeah then how did people you put out like a mail order type thing then and yeah people would people ordered the issues through that yeah we would sell them at shows we you know we would sell a ton of CBGBs and you know, whenever Youth of the Day played, we put them at the uh, we put them at the table, and it was weird too because you know we thought you know hardcore was so small back then. So mm. you know, even if you put out a record and you sold five hundred copies of a record, you were like, "Wow, five hundred! That's incredible!" Yeah, and then even those you know, five hundred so, uh, people too are probably like each one of those experiences is probably a little more powerful than say like I don't know something that has a bigger bigger audience then or now. Sure, you know, and people would talk about it and got word of mouth. But I think the, the first issue that we printed, 
I think they printed like 300 and they sold out almost, I think they sold out the first, we went to, we went down to see Jesus. I think we sold every single copy <laughs> we had. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God, we thought this was going to be our stock. Right, yeah. And we sold this all at one show. So we, you know, after we did that first issue and it was so popular, we were like, wow, this is a lot bigger than we thought. And, you know, so we went back, we repressed it and, you know, we were selling like thousands of these things, which, you know, that, like I said, not a lot of fanzines were selling thousands of copies. So right, and was there any was there any New York or like close fanzines of at the time? Not really. Um, I think there were. You know, there was definitely other fanzines in New York. Right, but it was just apparent that Schism was like a different thing. Schism was like pretty much totally dedicated to New York hardcore, which which nobody else was doing. Mm. And which there was, you know, with the, you know, with Revelation becoming, you know, just starting to kind of boom at the time. And if you look at the first, like, 20 releases of Revelation, I mean, they're all incredible. Yeah. So there was a lot, there was a lot of attention on kind of like the Revelation New York hardcore scene. Literally, like, um, you know, around the world. So not only were we selling the fantasies that shows just in the Northeast, but we were also getting like, we're sending tons out to California and even Europe and Japan. Uh, so. That's really cool. Yeah. I just sent, I just sent our latest issue of Powerline out to Japan to some record store. And it was like, damn, that's really cool. Like, like some of the LA, Los Angeles hardcore bands out here that are, you know, no one knows about, like you're saying, are going to be like someone in Japan is going to find out about it and check them out, you know? Yeah, we were really, we were amazed. We were sounding we sound like you know, South America, you know, and uh, it really caught us by surprise. And so after that first issue, you know, we did the first issue, which was just kind of like a regular fancy, but since the response to it was just, you know, really beyond our wildest dreams, really. Yeah. Um, we decided that we were really going to work on the next issue. And the next issue was the real issue that really established us as kind of one of the bigger fanzines of, of the time. The next issue was the one that the Project X 7-inch came in. Okay, yeah. And then and, uh, that was kind of like, were you trying to say like, okay, let's just start a label and do the the fanzine or was it like, we're going to do this next issue and just for the issue, we're going to make this like personalized record, the project X. No, we had no, um, inclination of doing a record label at the time. You, you know, I don't know. You're probably too young to remember this, but in like the seventies and the eighties, it was really popular for like rock magazines to put, a flexi disc inside the record. Have you ever heard of a flexi disc? Yeah, yeah, for sure. They still they'll they'll still do that now with like magazines and uh, yeah. I just got a flexi not too long ago at, at like a show a couple months ago or a few months ago. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Like the flexi disc, like you know, usually like the feature of the of the you know the main band was being featured in the magazine. Um, they right. have a flexi disc of like an un, of like an unreleased song. So flexi disc, you know, people don't know what a flexi disc was. It was literally like, it was like a thin sheet of plastic. It was, it was a record that you could play, 
but it wasn't thick. It was like thin, like a piece of paper. Like, yeah, you're like, I can play this, and you put it on your turntable, and you're like, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, it was, it usually wasn't round, it was square. Right. It looked like a record, but it was flat like, like a piece of paper, and, and you could you could play it on your record player. And it was it was just a really kind of, and, you know, I loved it, because it was just sort of a really cool addition that would go with your magazine. Yeah. And, um, we wanted to do that and we were uh, we were asking around all bands it was a weird time because Gorilla Biscuits were writing a record Youth of Today was writing a record you know Bold was writing a, was writing a record this was all around the time to like break down the wall and start today and speak out yeah and shit they all were writing a record so nobody really wanted to give up any unreleased tracks right yeah you know, because they wanted to save they wanted to save all their songs for the record obviously oh I see so our, our original our original idea of we want to have like a little compilation of just some New York bands and everybody would give us a song and we would put it on a flexi disc but that was our that was our original plan but uh, we couldn't get any bands to give up songs since they were all you know gathering up songs for the record mm. so we decided that we were going to make a band <laughs> yeah and so, you know, I got together with Walter and Al, and we got Sammy to play drums, and we were just going to put out, like, this fun kind of, like, mystery band. We weren't going to say who was on it. We all have fake names. And we got together, and we literally wrote the whole entire Project X record in about two hours. And me and Al lived together with Ray. We called it Schism HQ. We had this apartment in Brooklyn. So we all got together at Schism HQ, and we wrote this record just super quick, and it was very fun. It wasn't like it was crazy serious or whatever because we thought it was just going to be a flexi disc. Yeah. And then the next day, we literally the very next day, we called up Don Fury and we said, "Hey, do you have any time?" And he said, "As a matter of fact, I have some time today." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Don Fury's the very next day, and I think we recorded the whole thing in like an hour. Oh my god! And, and you know, it was just done very very quickly. Yeah. Hell yeah. And, and, you know, that was the Project X record. And when we were looking into the prices of flexi-discs, we found out that flexi-discs were actually really expensive to make. They weren't expensive if you were getting, like, 100,000 of them. Then they were very, very cheap. Right. But, you know, but you know, if, if, you know we were like, yeah, we want to get 500 flexi-discs printed. And they were like, well, you can't print five. They're like, if you want to get 50,000, you know, <laughs> you know, literally... Literally, for 500 flexi discs, it was going to cost as much as it would to print a vinyl record. I think it was even more. Yeah. So the guy said, why don't, you just, why don't you just print a vinyl record? It's going to be cheaper. So we said, okay. And so that's how the Project X record happened. Yeah. No, that's a, yeah, no, that's a, that's a cool story. And then how, you guys only played a, a handful of shows under Project X, no? Like, Maybe under ten, right? Yeah, we you know we weren't a real band. We weren't even expecting to play any show. Yeah, it was just kind of this fun thing. We put the record, and nobody knew who played on the record. We all had fake names. <laughs> who did? Uh, did Al and, do the Al do the layout of that? Then maybe. Yeah, Al did the layout for a lot. He did the layout for the first Gorilla Biscuit Seven Inch. Mm. I think he did the layout for Start Today. He did the layout for the first. Quicksand record. Okay. You know, he was doing a lot of the damn. Yeah, that goes side by side record. That goes deeper then. So he was like the, 
he was like the go-to graphic designer in New York hardcore at the time, so he did glass for everything. Wow. And we printed we printed five hundred of them, and uh, we stuffed them all in baggies. We we stuffed them all in uh, in the fanzines, and there was a Gorilla Biscuit show in Connecticut at the Anthrax. And so the first time that schism came out, and everybody was waiting for that schism to come out. <laughs> the first one just got so popular. Right. So we had this new issue, and we had the record, and we're like, okay, this is going to be great. And we really worked hard on this new episode, this new issue. And we're like, we're going to get super ambitious. We're going to put 500 of these things. And so we had 500 records, and we were going to bring them all to this first show. But we didn't have enough time and we could only baggy and, you know, we, we had the covers that we had to uh, fold and then we had to, you know, put them all into baggy. So we basically were assembling them, assembling it ourselves. So it was me and Al kind of like baggying all this record. And I think we only got like 350 or something like 400 done, you know, before that show started. And it was really yeah. cool because Al, Show, and Al had, had handmade 12 long sleeve schism shirts. And those were the ones that said schism. Right. And it had like NYC straight edge down the sleeve. Yeah, those shirts and are it, sick. I, I love the logo too. Yeah, the logo was cool. We had the, um, we had the Project X cover on the back. And um, we gave them out to like our 12 really good friends. We gave them like, oh, that's real biscuits, Ray Capo, Just Straight Edge, um, you know, I had one, Sammy had one. So just kind of like that original like youth crew. Yeah. We all went to the show wearing that, wearing that long sleeve. So we rolled into the anthrax, <laughs> Real Biscuits is playing, we're all wearing the schism shirt, we got the schism with mystery record in it, and we instantly sold all 350. Oh my we could God. have sold, we probably could have sold 800. Right. Because it was like 800 kids at that show and every single kid was buying the fancy. And, um, and it was, it was like, it was really cool and we wrote all over, you know, and each Project X record had like, we wrote on the label just little kind of inside jokes. Yeah. It's really funny because nobody knows jokes are like whenever I meet somebody that has an original project extra there like what did it say on the label and they'll tell me and I'll laugh like what the hell does it mean and then I have to tell them what the inside joke is about that's funny so it was cool do you, do you have many people that come up to you still about like say they have a like an original schism zine uh very few probably very I more few <laughs> I think we only printed 500 yeah and, um, it, and it was weird too because not only was it not only did people really love the fan thing, but they loved Project X. Mm. And people are like, "Who's in the band? When is this band gonna play?" <laughs> you know, it was sort of at the beginning of when Straight Edge was really exploding. Right. You know, it was around the time like 1988 when Straight Edge literally just kind of blew up and it became this you know, huge thing. It was weird. Like, you said, they would go on tour and every place we played, we would sell out wherever we went. There would be tons of kids that had on their hands. And it was really like a phenomenon. 
And so since that record was just like so uber straight edge with, you know, that picture of me putting the X on my hand, X on my hand on the cover. Yeah. Um, oh, is that your fist then on the yeah. cover? Yeah, that's my fist. the picture. It was actually, it was right after we recorded the record and it's on the street right in front of Don Fury. Oh, cool. I put that picture in of me putting an X on my hand. So, uh, we just kept refreshing and refreshing and refreshing and refreshing that record. Like, I don't even know how many we sold, but we would just sell them. And just, we pressed them and then it would instantly sell out. It was really... I mean, here's a record we thought, you know, we recorded in a day. Yeah, it was just for <laughs> fun, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just for fun. And it actually kind of... Well, I, well, I feel like that's like uh, I think some of the best stuff like comes that way. I know when I like I started Powerline under very like similar regards. Like I just want no one was documenting what was going on in LA. Like obviously it's different now. We have the internet and social media, but I wanted it to be uh, physically documented and live on, you know. And no one was doing that, and there was so much cool stuff going on. So yeah, I feel you. I was gonna say there was this um, one. Uh, zine on the east coast uh going on now called shining life press and i don't know if you maybe heard of them they did they did that bold uh history of the summer 89 tour if you did you see that i saw that that was that was incredible dude that was so cool actually it was pretty dense there was so much like info in there that i I never got time to read the full thing until i got like stuck at home with all this and i finally read it a couple a couple months ago and yeah dude that was yeah such a cool story shout out to shining life press um yeah did you check that out those guys are like archaeologists dude i was gonna say he's uh yeah dude so many cool stories i was gonna say too they've been speaking of like archaeologists i don't know if you're on like youtube much at all but he he's been posting like live sets like every day like 10 live sets of like just all this amazing stuff it's like mostly east coast new york stuff like uh I don't know. I just watched a raw deal set the other day. I just watched uh, a judge set uh, 1990 at city gardens in Jersey. Um, that was a cool wow. show. Um, but he's just been uploading like nonstop. So it's been cool to, yeah, they're really, I've been watching like so many live sets. I'm kind of hardcore deprived right now. That's amazing. Yeah, cool. definitely. Yeah. Definitely check that out. Bunch of, bunch of cool stuff. Like, uh, Rare stuff like uh, I saw a Swizz set that I still have to check out, a Super Touch, just a bunch of like uh, floor. I was watching a Floor Punch uh, set. Did you ever you ever listen to any of those like uh, '90s? You know, there's like you know you're talking about in '88 how hard you know Straight Edge is getting bigger and bigger. Did you listen to any of those other big bands after that? Like say like Floor Punch or something like that that came after. You know, during the 90s, I was in shelter, and I was living in a Krishna temple. Right. So oh, I, I was, I was, you know, not, you know, it was sort of um, on a personal detox. For sure. From material life. <laughs> so I missed a lot of that. I, I missed the whole decade. I, I barely know who's president. Right. Now I feel <laughs> during you. During those times. Uh, I was in a temple kind of chanting and studying who do you um who's like on your spotify as of like currently not even expecting like hardcore per se but just like anything what what, what do you kind of listen to day to day well i just did a 
a Spotify playlist for Revelation. I don't know if you saw that. I did, yeah. And it was, and it was funny because you know everybody expected, okay, Purcell's going to do a Spotify playlist for Revelation. It's going to be all straight edge hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know, but you know the type of music that you know before I was into hardcore, you know, I was really into punk. Like I got into punk really early when I was probably like twelve. Uh, you know, 12, 13, I was listening to, you know, Ramones, Clash, Stranglers, Weirdos, you know, all this stuff from California, the Avengers. And uh, so that type of music, it always holds a special place in my heart, you know, because that was like, this, you know, I was like a kid and I sort of grew up on that, you know, it's like when you're a kid and you grow up on like all those TV shows you watch as a kid, you always have a kind of special place in your heart for them. Yeah. And so I, I have a special place in my heart for all that, like, early, early kind of, um, you know, late 70s punk rock. And so my whole playlist was just all sort of, like, some of them are real forgotten songs, even forgotten bands, you know, that I put on there. And so I wanted to, uh, I wanted to dig those up. Yeah. So, I, you know, I really kind of appreciate that era of, of punk because... You know, it was almost like it was almost like the early hardcore scene. There was like, you know, in the times of like the Clash and, and the Ramones, there was no real blueprint for what that music was supposed to be. So you had all these like really eclectic bands, like you know the Buzzcocks and uh, uh, the Stranglers, who had like an organ player, and you even had you know like Devo. I listened to back then, and. Um, you know, all the all those like the jam. You know, they all had their own little flavor or twist on what they were doing as people were kind of figuring out what punk rock was. And so, to me, that's a really exciting time in 